It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the prop DFS fantasy football guru, Chris Dell. You guys can find him on Twitter at MadJournalist. And you can get us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. Money Picks Pod, Week 10 NFL. Uh, we're going to hit it. We're going to jump right in here to the first game. It's going to be the Redskins and the Lion. And Chris, uh, th- there's a bunch of a bunch of numbers that are out here right now. It says Lions minus four and a half. I can see that at DraftKings. I can see that at FanDuel. Right now on pregame.com on the Game Center, it, it, it looks like there's there's no lines at all posted. And then when I go to look for props at DraftKings for this game, there's none. And FanDuel, same thing. There's none there. So there's clearly something going on. Here's what I know about this game. Maybe somebody could go ahead and fill me in on exactly why this line isn't posted and why we can't find props. I know that Stafford was listed as questionable. They were thinking it might be a concussion. Then supposedly it was a minor neck issue, but he was a full participant Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at practice. Now, Galladay is going to be out, and it looks like Hawkinson right now is listed as questionable. It looks like the Washington kicker may be questionable, but that's certainly not enough to go ahead and probably end up, you know, with the books pulling all their lines down. So I, I, I feel like I'm a little foggy on, on, on exactly what's going on in this game. But the props that we do have, uh, we do have some touchdown props. And Chris, the one that I was looking for was I really wanted to go ahead and, and use Gibson over his rushing yards. But I noticed, you know, at, at a five out of eight games this season, you know, Gibson's had a touchdown. And we know how bad this Lions rush defense is. I mean, it's one of the worst in the league. So I figured, why not just go ahead and make it easy on myself instead of digging and searching for all this stuff. This is a game particularly that I don't have a whole lot of interest in. So I'll go ahead and I'll play Gibson to go ahead and score a touchdown. You could get that right now on FanDuel. It's like right around minus, uh, actually it's plus 110, plus 115. So I'll go ahead. I'll make that my pick. Are there any guys that you're going to go ahead and target in this one? Yeah, I was also looking at Gibson. Originally, how I started out this game was I was looking at Gibson over rushing, like you mentioned, because of Detroit's rush defense, and we saw what Dalvin Cook did to them. However, the game's, game script here is going to be very questionable for, for me, and I mentioned this on our Week 10 preview pod earlier in the week, and I don't know, man. Like The Washington football team's going on the road here. You mentioned all the questionable guys for the Lions. Um, I would only bet on Gibson over rushing if the Washington football team was favored by close to a touchdown. And they might not, they might not ever be that this year, unless it's against the Cowboys again. So we'll see how that goes later down the road. But, um, because of that, I, I expect this to be a, a closer game. Um, I'm not betting a side either way, but in a neutral game script, the running backs will continue to be involved in the passing game. So let's see what the numbers are going to be put out at. We obviously, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know about the the infamous quadruple dip prop where we're betting Gibson and McKissick over receptions and receiving yards. I'm, I'm sure that the books are going to inflate the numbers after we hit on all four of those last week. So in this case, I'm going to go towards McKissick receiving because he he was like, I think he tripled or, or more of uh, Gibson's targets last week. This is also a revenge game for McKissick. He used to play for the Lions. And um, Alex Smith has shown a propensity to check down just as much, if not more, than Kyle Allen did. So McKissick's going to be involved heavily. And even though Gibson was a receiver converted to running back in college, they're just not using him as much in the receiving game because McKissick is also there as like a veteran type of presence. So that all goes to say that I'm going to look at both running backs receiving again 
uh, for both of the receptions and the yardage props, but I do trust McKissick to have more of a target volume here. Um, so, you know, let's see what the number, if the numbers somehow where McKissick is lower than Gibson, that we're firing automatically on, on McKissick. Uh, but let's see what those numbers turn out to be. Other than that, I'm, I'm banking on Terry McLaurin again. I don't care who the quarterback is. It could be Haskins, could be Smith, it could be Allen. Uh, he leads the NFL with a 45% plus tar, uh, air yard share. So he's got 45.3% of Washington's air yards, despite having three different quarter quarterbacks, as I mentioned. Uh, last week, he was in a quote-unquote tough matchup against James Bradbury, who's actually limited a lot of great receivers this year. Uh, you know, No worries for McLaurin. Seven catches, 115 yards. He's averaging close to 10 targets per game. That's sixth among the receivers. So I'm going to the well here with McLaurin. We've hit on him a couple times this year over on receiving yards, and the matchup is great. The Lions have no cornerback to speak of. They play a lot, uh, you know, that that can shadow well, and they play a lot of man-to-man coverage. So I expect McLaurin to beat his man, whether it's in the short, intermediate, or deep routes. And last that I'll throw in here is Detroit has surrendered the league's seventh most completions of 20-plus yards. They've given up 29 plays of 20-plus yards in the passing game. So I expect McLaurin to have a really big day here. I've got him ranked as a top-five option in fantasy I project the line to be somewhere in the mid to high 70s. I'd probably play this uh, easily over 80 and probably close to 85. All right. You know, I, I liked McLaurin as well in DFS. I did want to throw this one guy at you with Galladay being out. Last week I had mentioned a little bit about Amendola. I believe I, I, I mentioned maybe go ahead and take it as receptions or as receiving yards over. Would, would you look at Amendola, you know, in DFS this week? Because I was thinking about plugging him in there. I mean, last week he had – Seven catches, 77 yards. He did have 10 targets. We know Galladay won't be there. And right now, you know, let's just say Hawkinson's not 100%. You know, if you go back to the box score last week with Detroit, I mean, they kind of spread the ball around through actually to a bunch of guys. But the main number one guy was Amendola. So is that somebody that maybe you would probably, you know, go ahead and look maybe to play, you know, maybe receptions over, yards over, or maybe plug them into your DFS lineup? Yeah, I think that's a smart call, uh, especially when you're talking about these cluster injuries. We just don't know, right? So if there's no Galladay, if there's no Hawkinson, then I think it's definitely smart to look at Amendola for sure. Um, it, it's tough, man. Like, and, and I would probably look towards his receptions over the receiving yards in terms of a prop. Uh, but he's going to be a super cheap, valuable DFS, op- DFS option, especially in DraftKings, which is full point PPR. I wouldn't touch him either way in FanDuel, which is only half point PPR scoring. Uh, last, uh, the last time the Washington football team played, they played against the giants and, and that's when we saw uh, Sterling Shepard playing out of the slot. A lot of the snaps, uh, when golden Tate wasn't there, Sterling Shepard had six catches. Even the other guy who was running the slot, Austin Mack had four catches for 72 yards. So I do think there's a lot of production to be had in the slot against Washington in general. And if you add those other injuries into the fold, we could be looking at Stafford's top three options in the passing game being uh, Marvin Hall, Quintez Cephas, and Amendola. So I, I think Stafford's going to trust Amendola the most. So uh, definitely let's look to attack that if we do see. I would only go, do it if Hawkinson and Galladay were both ruled out. Um, but if they are, uh, I would definitely look to play him probably maybe close to five receptions or higher. All right, good stuff on that game. Thanks for clearing that one up. I am going to go ahead and probably end up plugging him in. That was one thing I was certainly thinking about doing. Let's jump over to our next game here. We got the Texans. They'll be on the road here at Cleveland. Browns are going to be minus four. Total right now, right around 45 and a half, 46, depending on what shops that you're going to go ahead and look at. It looks like 
kind of looks like Chubb's going to be maybe a game time type of decision where they're they're going to, I guess they're going to go ahead and they're going to talk to the medical staff and the medical staff's going to meet up and they're going to kind of decide whether Chubb's going to play. Uh, you know, what I've heard, Chris, is that he's playing pretty much all week. So this seems like it's kind of new news to me. So I guess it maybe it's just, you know, like the team's like, he's going to play, he's going to play, he's going to play. And then maybe it's just, you know, it's up to the medical staff to go, all right, man, you're good to go, you know, go, get out there and go ahead and do your thing. So I'm expecting him to play. I don't know if if you are. But one of the plays I want to make here, Chris, and I, I, I kind of feel like you might agree with me with this one, is just to go ahead and play Duke Johnson over rushing yards. You can get him right now. I believe on DraftKings he was like 57 and a half. On FanDuel he's 57 and a half. Now I understand that that David Johnson's like their lead back, but they don't have another running back. And I think Duke Johnson, you know, the fact that he's going to get an opportunity to be the number one, and I think that's one thing that's really plagued Duke Johnson, you know, really throughout his career, that he always seems like he's that number two guy. But I think like if these two guys, you know, go on and you put them on the field, Duke Johnson and David Johnson, I, I kind of, I mean, I, I wouldn't favor one or the other, but I think the fact that you give Duke Johnson an opportunity to hear to go ahead and run the ball, um, I, I would go ahead and give him a chance to go ahead and play. Um, I would go ahead and give him a chance to go ahead and go over his 57 and a half rush yards. That was one play I was looking at. So maybe you could fill me in on, on how you think the game script's going to go now. Because I was a little confused, Chris. I, I figured you'd be the one to, to talk to when, you know, you got Chubb now. You got Hunt. You know, yeah, we're going to be minus Odell. But what do you think that this Cleveland offense is going to look like going into this game? Yeah, so let me preface this by saying typically at this point in the week when we're recording, I'm like halfway into my research. I've got the – I, you know, pretty much last Sunday I'm like making making a target hit list of the guys I'm looking to research for props for the following week. And I'm at the point now where I may be between 50 to 75% done. Uh, shout out to Mike on Twitter. Again, he helped me put together a Google Doc a Google Doc for research on this podcast. You see him. He's been putting together Google Docs as well, breaking down our picks and our handicaps on this podcast too. So uh, big shout outs, to, uh, shout outs to Mike on Twitter for that. Um, and I'm just opening up certain numbers for props in this game. And I, I've been targeting all week Jarvis Landry, Brandon Cooks, and Will Fuller. Uh, the reason why Duke Johnson, I would maybe look towards like a combined rushing and receiving. I'm not sure what you can find on that right now. Sleepy, you could tell me, but, uh, the Browns are a pass funnel defense and they've been pretty tough against the run in a lot of matchups this year, especially with miles Garrett up front, clogging the lanes, putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. I've been targeting Jarvis Landry as well as Brandon cooks and Will Fuller. And, you know, we're looking at two good matchups here. I think Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson are both going to have their way throwing the football in this game. And I just don't understand why Cooks, Fuller, and Landry are all in the low 50s. I'm seeing that on FanDuel right now. Landry's at 52.5. Fuller's at 52.5. And, and Cooks is at 51.5. I would play all three of those over. I thought they'd be set in the 60s, honestly. Um, I don't know if the books are paying attention to this matchup close enough. Last time we saw the Browns, they were in that crazy win game. So I think we can take advantage of that with the recency bias. They were also on a buy last week. So I think we should take advantage of this Browns offense here. Uh, Austin Hooper back into the fold here. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm willing to trust him uh, too much, even though in at the tight end position in fantasy, he's locked into a top 10, even, even in his first game coming back off the appendectomy. His receiving yards total is 27 and a half. So uh, I don't know, man. I expect this to be a close game. So I expect a lot of running on both sides and a lot of passing on both sides, a lot of balance. And I, I think these receiving totals are just set too low. So priority wise, 
I'm looking at the top two options on Houston, which is Fuller and Cooks. I expect them both to have big games. I've got them both ranked as top 20 receivers in fantasy. And then Landry, you know, he's the only one they have they have left in that receiving game in terms of the wide receivers in Cleveland. So uh, I, I just think the booked, books are just sleeping on this game, period. And I, I'm, I might be playing like four or five overs and receiving in this game. Yeah, I think the only thing that we have to kind of hold our breath on right now is probably the weather. You know, that was one of the games where they were talking about it might be a little bit windy in that in that stadium come this week. And I, I mentioned this on our Wednesday podcast for those of you guys who hadn't listened to that. You know, Cleveland just played in like one of the craziest win games right now of the season. So if there's going to be a team that's going to be able to, you know, maybe practice in it, they already played in it, uh, it's going to be somebody like Cleveland. And I think that Landry, Chris, I mean, you correct me if you think I'm wrong, but they got to get this guy going right now because if they're going anywhere, they're going to need Landry to step up and be, you know, that number one guy, that guy who can go out and get, you know, the 12 targets a game. He could get his seven, eight catches is, you know, 123 and a touchdown. Like they got to get Landry going. And the fact that they're on a bye week, you know, they're going to target this guy. You know, they have everything kind of scripted for him to say, look, when we need to move the chains, we need to go ahead and we need to get you involved or maybe, you know, Hooper as well. I think they, they probably concentrate maybe a little bit less on the, less on the running backs probably throughout the bye week because, you know, Chubb knows what he needs to do. Hunt knows what he needs to do. But I, I have a feeling like they need to get Landry. They need to get Hooper now that Odell's out of there. They finally got a, you know, a couple practices, a couple games under their belt, a bye week to go in and get those two guys and say, look, you know, we're, we're, we have to shift the playbook now you know, where you guys are going to be the guys who are going to be the focus point of this offense. Yeah, so. yeah Sleepy, and let me just jump in. My apologies here um, because I, I just pulled up NFLweather.com and I, I've been in my head as the Green Bay-Jacksonville game is the windiest this week, but it looks like, just like, you've, just like you said right now, is that this game actually could have just as much wind. So let's let's keep an eye out on that because if the weather does somehow lighten up in this game and the wind subside to less than 20 miles an hour then i think those receiving yardage totals are ripe for the taking um so i would not play them in the 29 mile an hour winds that means we literally could have a repeat of that raiders browns game from two weeks ago so so my bad for missing on that however the chubb injury news whether or not he plays in this game is the key here because you know, if he does play, the Houston's are a run funnel defense and teams are racking up yardage against them big time in terms of opposing running back. So if somehow Chubb doesn't play, he's not 100% yet to suit up. I think we absolutely have to look at Kareem Hunt over rushing. And maybe if Chubb does wind up being a late game time decision to play, maybe those yardage totals uh, combined together, we could play as a prop. I know some books allow you to do that with player prop builder tools where you could take Hunt and Chubb together and say, oh, I want to play them both to have 110 yards rushing combined so we don't have to figure out which one's going to hit and break off a long run perhaps. So in a weather type of bad game like that, I would look towards that as my favorite prop. You know what I'm going to do, Chris? I'm going to give out Landry. I'm going to give him out, and here's what I discovered. Let's go back to the game in which Cleveland was in the win game against the Raiders. Well, they only ran 47 total plays in that game. The Raiders ended up running 71. But if you go back and you look at the game, Jarvis Landry, he had 11 targets in that game. He had four catches, 52 yards. As I had mentioned, Cleveland already played in the wind. So they're going to know what they can and can't do. And just judging by looking at this box score, uh, if they even get, you know, remotely close to 60, 65 plays, which, you know, would be, I think that that's certainly fair. 
the fact that the Raiders ran 71 and Cleveland ran 47, I would assume it would be somewhere, you know, in and around that 60 mark. I mean, I can only assume that Landry's going to end up with more targets in this game and more yardage and more catches and everything like that. So I, I feel pretty good with that, that, that you know, they're, if they're going to throw the ball, they're going to use Landry, you know, more than likely in the short game. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give that out as an official pick. I know it's supposed to be windy there and that's fine but I like the fact that Cleveland just came out of one of those games and they went into the bye week and they know that they have to get Landry involved. So yeah. I'll go ahead. I'll make that an official pick in this one. Sleep, sleep. And just one last thing is that you look at the, the, the slot receivers. I think you make a great point there. Uh, Cleveland's actually one of the worst teams defending the slot in the league. I think outside of Seattle and Randall Cobb has been getting a lot of targets here these last couple of weeks as well, outside of cooks and fuller, obviously. So I think Cobb could be the play there if we're looking at the bad wind, the bad wind, and both these quarterbacks looking to the short routes over the middle of the field, slants, et cetera. So Cobb could be the play in Houston. I expect his receiving total is going to be set very low. I don't see DraftKings with any receiving totals right now, but I do see on FanDuel Randall Cobb at thirty and a half, uh, you know, which is a, a really low number to target, and, and he, he could get that very easily if, if we're seeing twenty plus mile an hour winds, close to thirty mile an hour winds like we are right now. I think we just go ahead and maybe we just play the slot guys against both of these teams. I think we have, you know, two capable quarterbacks, one with experience in this type of weather and Watson, you know, he's going to, he's going to find his guy cooks. I mean, he's been finding cooks as of late. So um, I don't have a problem playing cooks over. I'll definitely play a Landry over. And the fact that you're, you know, bringing up cooks and the fact that the Browns are, you know, struggle against the slot. Why the hell not? I mean, there's not a whole, uh, there's really not a whole lot else that I like in that game. Uh, but I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll target those two guys for sure. Let's go over to Jaguars and my Green Bay Packers. Packers going to be laying a boatload here at home, Chris. Green Bay minus 13 and a half. You can find some 13s out there. You can find some 14s out there. So shop around. But you're certainly laying double digits in this one. Total 49, 48 and a half at certain books. I'll let you go and rip a run on this one first, Chris. Jaguars, Packers, what are you thinking about? Yeah, so this is the one I mentioned. Obviously, the weather is going to be a big concern here. We've seen the total drop because of that. Uh, the big news, actually, though, that, that maybe the books haven't accounted for just yet is that Jair Alexander is looking like he's going to miss this miss this game. I don't know if it's been 100% yet, but it, it's look, looking like he's trending to miss this game. So, who does that benefit? Obviously, DJ Shark. And even in a windy type of game, we saw, you know, this week, we saw last week DJ Shark get, uh, you know, a lot of targets from Jake Luton in his first start at quarterback here. So I expect the Jag- Jaguars, whether the weather's bad or not, for them to be playing from behind. A lot of garbage time production potentially with Shark and no shadow coverage from Jair to worry about here. So Shark's the type of guy they send deep. They also use him, you know, in, in a lot of versatile ways in different parts of the field. So I do think shark will have a good day, whether there's bad weather or not, you, you might be sweating it at halftime. It might come late in garbage time. However, I think the targets will be there and I think the game script will be there. So let's see in terms of DJ shark right now, despite the weather, you know, let's see what type of props we can get on him again. DraftKings right now is a Friday night is very limited. See what numbers you can find. I would be surprised if for this game that we're seeing DJ Shark, uh, you know, in like the maybe the 60s. I'd be surprised if he was in the 70s. Um, so I, I don't know, man. That's where I'm going to look for Jacksonville side of things. However, my favorite prop would be, and this goes to the weather as well, is the rushing. And, and if you can find the combined rushing props, again, for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams together, 
right now, if you combine their totals on FanDuel, you're looking at roughly not exactly 100, exactly 100 yards. I would play Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams to combine for over 100 rushing yards in this game because Jacksonville has one of the worst rush defenses in the league. This is the game where the where Green Bay is favored big time. They're at home with the bad weather, so they're going to run, run, run. They don't want to overload Aaron Jones. We've seen that the last couple of years. Jamal Williams is fresh off you know, having basically an extra week off because he was put on the COVID list for their last game, which was on a Thursday night. So even more rest for Jamal Williams. I expect him to be involved, maybe get north of 10, 15 plus touches in this game. Uh, I think Jones and Williams are both startable in fantasy this week. I've got Jones as ranked as my number two overall running back this week. I think he's a elite DFS option. I think Jamal Williams is a sneaky startable fantasy option as well. So if you can play them both over rushing, you know, if you want to do it individually, go ahead. I would prefer to play them combined, but I do like them both a lot to have success on the ground this week. Yeah, I found Aaron Jones rushing and receiving yards right now. It looks like he's going to be it's quite high, Chris. It's actually at 94 and a half. No. And Jamal Williams is 45 and a half. So I don't know how you feel about that. 94 and a half, 45 and a half. I used Aaron Jones in my DFS. I like, as you had mentioned, what was he, your number two guy? I plugged him right in immediately. I'm like, even if it is windy, I'm like, I think Jones is going to get a full go here. I actually wanted to look up uh, how many touches he got last week, but I'll let you go ahead and talk about Jones, 94 and a half. No, see, let, let me, let me, let me clarify. I didn't mean like they're rushing and receiving combined. I meant if you could use like a player prop builder tool and you could combine Jones and Williams, just their rushing yards together. Uh, I would do this also with Kareem Hunt and Chubb, as I mentioned in the last game. If you could use the prop builder tool that a lot of these offshore books offer, um, you could combine both their rushing and say, I think Jones and Williams will get you know, over 99 and a half rushing yards combined. I'm not touching their receiving because I do not expect Green Bay needing to throw much in this game. I think Devontae Adams, honestly, has one of the best matchups on paper. But when you factor in the weather and you factor in the potential game script and the line here, the spread... I just don't know if uh, Devontae Adams will get much volume in the second half of this game. So I think the running backs are, are, are going to have the big days here. So I would like to play Aaron Jones over 68 and a half rushing yards, Jamal Williams over 31 and a half rushing yards. And if you can use a prop builder tool to get them together, I would like that even more. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be tough to get them at 100 if if Jones is lined, you know, at, in the 90s and, and Williams is lined up right now, you know, 45. It might be tough, but well, is I that guess. no sleepy? I'm sorry, is that their combined rushing and receiving you're talking about, or just their rushing? Because I'm seeing Fandle, Aaron Jones is 68 and a half, and Williams is 31 and a half, so that would be exactly a hundred if you combine them together. No, it was it was their rushing and receiving. Yeah, I'm just looking rushing. I'm not touching anything with receiving because I don't think they're going to need to get the backs very involved in the passing game. Okay, cool. Yeah, I w- like I said, I was thinking about using Aaron Jones. Um, probably in this game. So what is his receiving or, or his rushing yards were what again? 68 and a half. 68 and a half and Jamal Williams, 31 and a half. And like I said, like I use bet online cause I live in Florida. So I can't place bets myself on FanDuel and DraftKings. It's not legal here yet. So you can like basically combine multiple players with a certain type of stat. So like rushing yards, if you combine them both together, you would basically get around a hundred rush, just rushing yards. And I would really like that because I could see these guys both popping off and them even resting Jones in the second half and giving Williams a lot of like garbage time runs. So I like both their rushing props over and combining their rushing together in like a, a combo type of multiplayer prop if you can do that. 
All right, cool. Yeah, it was. I was looking back last week. I was wondering why Williams wasn't, why he didn't play in the game last week. But I guess he was on the COVID. Uh, he ended up on the COVID list last week. So, I mean, if you figure you're going to get it, you're probably going to end up with a really, really fresh uh, Jamal Williams for this game. So uh, I'm with you, Chris. I think the, that's it's certainly the way to look is probably go ahead and look at the rushing guys. I actually used Robinson, too. I have him in my in my fantasy league as well. So I felt pretty good about Robinson. I felt pretty good uh, about Jones. So I feel pretty good about that game. I guess we're, we're going to avoid, you know, majority of the pass catchers in that one. I was looking at Luton. I, you know what I was thinking, Chris? I was thinking about doing the, doing the old switcheroo on him because last week I played Luton to throw an interception, and he did. Actually, I didn't. Let me let me re- restate that. Last week, I, last week I played Jake Luton to go ahead and throw an interception to a particular player. Uh, that didn't actually happen, but he did throw an interception. And I thought, well, if it's really, really windy here, you know, maybe they, maybe they, the Jacksonville, they really, you know, they just go ahead and try to run the ball a ton. So – I was just wondering maybe if we go ahead and we could look at Luton to go ahead and not throw an interception. You could get like, actually, you could get like some pretty decent money. It was like plus 180 for Luton and not throw an interception. I'm not going to give that out. But uh, if you guys are wondering uh, about that particular prop that is available, let's jump over to the Eagles at the Giants. Chris, the Eagles are going to be on the road here. Uh, right now, this is, it keeps going up here, minus four. Uh, right now, 44 and a half for a total. I'm not sure how you feel about this one. I know the Eagles are going to end up with a decent amount of bodies coming back. As I had mentioned, you know, I, I mentioned this in, in an article that I put up on bettingpredators.com. I said, look, bet the Eagles now at minus three because this line's probably going to go to three and a half. I'm not surprised one bit that it's going to four. And I said, you know, Philly coming off the bye, they were going to end up being a much healthier team. And if they could get through this game, they're going to be even healthier. So I'll give you guys this pick. I like the Eagles in this game. I don't I don't have any problem laying four. I think the Giants are going to struggle to run the ball. I don't think Gallman's going to be able to go ahead and gobble up really a whole lot. That's going to leave Daniel Jones where you know, his wide receiver core right now is a little bit banged up. There's a lot of issues going on, discipline, stuff like that. So I, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll play Philly. But I won't use Philly in any props, Chris, because I don't know what the hell they're going to do. Uh, one thing about Peterson, you know, if you give him time to go ahead and start looking at the playbook, He's going to end up throwing a Corey Clement in there. He's going to end up throwing this guy. And it's like, oh, let's get this guy involved in that guy. And it's like, it really becomes confusing. It really becomes hard. Now, I know Sanders is probably going to be back, and it looks like Alshon might be back. I'm going to avoid them at all costs. The Giants players, I'm not sure. I was looking maybe at their number two wide receiver, whoever that might be for this game, because there might be guys in and out. So I'm going to kind of wait and and kind of take a a wait-and-see approach. So I'm not going to play any player props on this one. I will play the Eagles minus four. I'll give you guys that. How are you feeling about the Eagles-Giants game? Yeah, so you read my mind with like the Eagles, quote-unquote, other receiver. And I'm on Jalen Rager, over 37.5 receiving yards. I'm seeing that right now at FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, Jalen Rager is a guy who, you know, obviously he's a rookie here, you know, high draft pick for the Eagles. People were surprised they took him that high when there were other receivers. I believe CeeDee Lamb was still on the board when Jalen Rager was drafted, correct me if I'm wrong there, but Jalen Rager has only played three games so far this year. Uh, the first two weeks, he had 55 and 41 yards. In in week one, he had one catch for 55 yards. This, this is a, a burner burner down the field. You know, Jeffrey might be back. He might be playing probably the slot role, if anything else, like a big type of possession slot receiver. He doesn't have that perimeter kind of edge athleticism anymore up in age with Jeffrey coming off injury as well. So I expect Fulgham and Rager to line up for a majority of the snaps on the outside and the perimeter. And I expect Fulham 
to get the uh, James Radbury shadow coverage treatment. And I, I'm not saying it's going to be a down game for Fulham because he had a good game the last time they played the Giants. But I do think we can take advantage of the fact that Rager in, you know, two weeks ago, because the Eagles were on their bye, he came back off an injury, but he, he had six targets in that game against Dallas, but they didn't need to throw as much as they might need to throw in this game. I expect this to be a little bit more competitive here. And, and six targets for a guy like Jalen Rager, I expect him to, st- to to use him to stretch the field vertically in this matchup here. So I definitely like over 37 and a half yards. He only had three catches for 16 yards. So again, guy coming off IR two weeks ago, 16 yards plus a, plus a bye week. The books are sleeping on a guy like Jalen Rager. And with Jeffrey back, just another weapon to throw into the fold with Sanders back. Less attention on Rager from the books side of things and less from the Giants defense side of things. So I expect him to break loose for at least one long play in this game. And I've got him ranked pretty high. I've got him as a wide receiver three, you know, somewhere in the top 30, uh, you know, range of receivers. I'm still working the kinks out with my rankings this week. I still need to add Alshon Jeffrey in there because he will be playing as well. But uh, that's where I'm going to attack because that's the softest number on the board right now. And I do expect the Eagles to have a lot of success through the air, finally fully healthy in this matchup. You know, the only thing that worries me, and it would probably put me on Miles Sanders to go over his rushing yards. One, I know he's going to be fresh. You know, he was probably ready to come back, you know, during the bye week. But the fact that he got the bye week and the fact that he got the bye week, I feel like he'll be extremely fresh for this game. I think one of the concerns for me, and I think we saw this probably, you know, last week going back to the Tampa game. You know, when you start getting guys back and you start getting guys that you haven't had in the lineup, I think that Alshon, you know, might throw Wentz for a little bit of a loop. It's like, all right, like I got Alshon over here. I got Goddard over here. I got Fulgrim over here and Greg Ward over there. And it's like, you know, it starts to become a little bit too much at times. And I think that that might actually go ahead and get Sanders a little bit more involved to be like, let's slow this down. Let's not go ahead and go out and make, un, you know, unwanted mistakes, you know, against a team like the Giants who we should be. So I don't know how you feel about Sanders, but I feel like he'll be used in this game. And I don't I don't want to go against that right now. That That's just kind of my, my one-track mind thinking is I do feel that Sanders will get used. His total right now for rushing is 62 and a half. How are you feeling about him? Yeah, I saw that, Sleepy. And, you know, the, the Giants, you know, let, let's – they, they've actually been pretty decent against the pass, and they've been pretty decent against the run. The Giants' defense overall has been pretty decent this year. Uh, they're not world beaters on either side of things, but Sanders has shown that explosive ability uh, You know, this season before he went on uh, you know, IR recently. or uh, He didn't go on IR, excuse me. He just missed a couple games overall. But you know, Sanders is a guy, you know, he, he can break off that long run and beat that 62.5 rushing yard prop you know, in just one play here. So I, I don't dislike that play at all. Uh, he, he was on my list as someone to target. It's just, I tend to hesitate to a guy in his first game coming back from an injury after missing multiple weeks in a division game like this to play his over on rushing. Um, but if you do look at Miles Sanders sleepy, you know, just look at his game log so far this year and four out of the five games he's played, he's had at least 80 yards rushing. So may, maybe uh, I do need to consider that a little bit more right now for my player props column which will be out late Saturday night, Sunday morning. So, yeah, man, I, I don't think that's a bad play. I mean, look, he had he broke off back-to-back weeks before he got hurt. 74-yard run against Pittsburgh, 74-yard run against Baltimore. If he's doing that against those two defenses, uh, then I don't think we're going to be very scared of the Giants' defense in this matchup here. Um, th- there's a th- th- 
there's a lot of mouths to feed in this Eagles offense now with Jeffrey, with Rager, with Sanders. Um, so which, which one? There's going to be a couple of these guys, Goddard, you know, Fulham. One or two of these guys is going to have a down game. Um, but when you're talking about the lead running back being back there, I don't think Scott's going to take away much work from him. So, so I'm definitely looking at that for sure, for sure, based off what you said. And then Darius Slayton under, I mentioned that on the week 10 preview pod, he's going to be lined up against Darius Slay and Darius Slayton uh, against Darius Slay just a couple of weeks ago, he had two catches, three targets and like 20 something yards. So over the last four weeks combined, Slayton has just 10 catches for 126 yards. So I think the number's still going to be set a little bit too high uh, for a guy like Slayton. I'm not seeing anything for him right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, but if you do see something, we've played overs and unders. We've been pretty successful cashing tickets regardless either way on Slayton so far this season. Uh, if you're seeing anything in the 50s, I would definitely play that under, and I would probably creep into you know like maybe the low 40s. Uh, on FanDuel, they've got him at 40 and a half. That might be a little bit too low for me because all he needs is one play to beat that. But if you can see anything above 45, I would probably play his under down to about 45 yards. You know the play that I'm going to play here, Chris? I'll, I guess I'll eat the chalk in this one, but I really like this one. Uh, actually, you know what? Maybe I won't do that. You know what I'll do? I'll play Evan Ingram over his receiving yards. Right now it's 37 and a half. You have to pay around minus 130. If you want the receptions, that's fine. It's three and a half, but it's like minus 165 right now. So I'll go ahead. I'll just take the receiving yards at much reduced juice here. I like Ingram. I think he has a big game today. Let me go back to the last time, Chris, that the Eagles played the Giants. Philadelphia ran the ball 26 times for 96 yards, and that was with no Sanders. One thing to note in that game, you know, Philly really struggled in that game. They were actually down 21 to 10. I believe it was like, you know, going into like the third quarter. And Philly never got away from the run. I kind of remember that game. So I wonder if they say, look, like we had success on the ground in that particular game. Why don't we go ahead and, and use our, our fresh horse, you know, Sanders, getting him back into the mix. And the fact that they ran for 96 yards with, you know, guys like Huntley and, and Wentz actually ran for some yards in Boston Scott. Um, I, th- I, 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 I just, I'm not going to talk myself out of it. The more I look into it, I'm going to probably end up keep talking myself into that. So I'll go ahead. I'll make that official, guys. I'll give you guys Sanders over 62 and a half, and I'll go ahead and I'll play Ingram uh, over 37 and a half receiving yards for that game. All right, Chris, here comes. Uh, this was a one that was pretty hot on our Wednesday podcast. If you guys haven't listened to our NFL pod yet, make sure you do so. You guys can get that on my Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. You could also get that on Chris's as well, Mad Journalist. Buccaneers, Panthers. Bucks right now, minus six. Total 50 and a half. I'll let you go and rip a run on this one, Chris. I think there's a lot of guys we could probably target in this game. Uh, we had a DJ Moore uh, last week. He he was brought up on our podcast. I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on him. You know, Antonio Brown in the mix. So Tom Brady was, you know, getting his rear end handed to him from the head coach. So I think there's a lot of dynamics going into this one. But I'm quite sure that you probably have at least a guy that you're targeting for this contest. What are you thinking? Yeah, this is a. Uh... A game I'm not too excited about. Uh, I've been very bummed out about DJ Moore's usage the last couple of weeks. I don't know what the coaches and the quarterback are doing with him. I, he's the, to me, he's still absolutely the best talent on the Panthers side of thing in their passing game. But uh, they're they're just not using him creatively. They're just sending him straight down the field on these deep routes. And even though he's beating DBs, Teddy Bridgewater's just not looking his way enough. And then Curtis Samuel's been coming on of late because they've been using him in the slot over over the short intermediate routes of the field. 
this is a tough matchup as it is. I expect the Bucks to be motivated in this spot, put a lot of pressure on Bridgewater, who I think is going to check down more often than not. So uh, I, I'm just, it, it's really tough to, to bank on anything. I did mention, as you said, we've talked about this game a lot in the preview podcast uh, Wednesday night, which you can find. Um, but Mike Davis under rushing and over receiving. I mean, that's where I look to attack with this Bucks defense every single week. This has been a consistent theme for them now for almost two seasons. Um, you know, when these two teams played in week two, Carolina running backs, Mike Davis included, this is when McCaffrey, McCaffrey actually got banged up in this game and left a little bit earlier, somewhere in the second half he left. Uh, Carolina backs, basically McCaffrey and Davis combined to catch 13 passes for 117 receiving yards. So I expect Davis to be involved heavily, uh, you know, heavily, excuse me, in the receiving game in this matchup here. So that's really the only place I can look with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. I don't trust Arians with his running back usage. I don't trust Tom Brady. I don't know who he's going to throw to this week. They have so many mouths to feed. We talked about the Eagles having a lot of mouths to feed. You got Gronk, you've got Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and then Tom Brady likes to throw to random dudes like Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, even Mickens. So I am not trusting anybody on this passing offense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't have uh, shares of any of them in any fantasy leagues. I wouldn't touch any of them in DFS this week. Uh, If anything, if you want to look for a contrarian play, the matchup to attack on the Carolinas defense is on their, is on the ground. And if, if, if you trust Arians to trust Ronald Jones, which is not a very easy thing to trust right now, Ronald Jones does have the best matchup on paper here. But I, like I said, I, I don't trust any of it, so I'm not going there. Uh, Mike Davis right now, you can find him receiving yards 35 and a half. I do like that number right there. And then his receptions, you know, they've been propped up in the past. But, you know, right now we're looking at five and a half. That, that's too many for me. Uh, but I do think the 35 and a half receiving yards from Mike Davis would be an area to attack. Otherwise, I'm not looking anywhere else in this game. You know what I'm going to do, Chris? I'm not even going to hesitate on this one. I like this one from the minute I looked at it. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play Leonard Fournette over his rushing and receiving yards. I think you and I have had plenty of back and forths on, you know, who the lead back is with this team. And, you know, one week it's Jones and one week it's Fournette. And it seems like, you know, and this is one of your famous odds. You're like, you know, you don't know what that coach is going to do. You don't know what necessarily what they're thinking, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, coming up with a game plan. But here's what I know. I know that when Fournette gets at least double-digit touches, Tampa Bay has won, and they've won, you know, rather convincingly. Last time they played Carolina, they won the game 31-17, and Fournette had 12 touches, 103 yards. He had four catches in that game for 13 yards. So he got solid yardage. He got solid usage in that game. He did the same thing against the Raiders. He did the same thing against the Giants where he had double-digit runs and he had, you know, three catches against the Giants and he had six against, uh, looks like the Raiders here, for 47 yards. So I think he might be the guy where they say, let's let's dumb down the wide receiver stuff here. Like I mentioned on our Wednesday podcast, I'll say it again. Look, Antonio, we need you to do this. We need you to be on the field for these particular plays. Same thing with Gronk. Same thing with Scotty Miller. You know you got your your boy Godwin out there. You know you got Evans out there. All right, there's your mainstays. But I think the other guys need to get into the mix, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, Tampa Bay just struggled last week so much because it was like, let's try to get the ball here and let's try to get the ball there. I think Arian's going to go, let's just try to get the ball to the guy who has proved to us, you know, that he can go ahead and he could take care of the ball, you know, whether it be through the air, which is Fournette, and whether it's on the ground, which right now, no, it seems like it's Fournette. And at 56 and a half rushing and receiving yards, I just don't see any way 
how Tampa Bay doesn't say, let's just slow it down a little bit. You know, we, we're, we have a good record. You know, we have plenty of time before the end of the season. We can get all the wide receiver stuff in, you know, during the week. We can mix a little bit in throughout the game. But let's not go into, you know, this game, the way we went into the last game, kind of, you know, with our eyes closed. I think they give it to Fournette. I think they throw it to Fournette. And I'm going to go ahead and play him over 56 and a half uh, rushing and receiving yards. I feel pretty good about that. You got anything else for that game, Chris, before we go and close it up and go to the next one? No, I, I just don't like this game for props. I, I honestly, I talked about Mike Davis. Uh, I don't see the rushing yards prop for him. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. I do. I was looking at the wrong book here, but Mike Davis, 51 and a half rushing yards. I like that under. And uh, I actually like the under rushing more than I like the over receiving because Curtis Samuel's emergence in the passing game, it worries me not just for DJ Moore, as I mentioned earlier. It also worries me for everyone else. So it's just, I don't trust the usage because it's not going where I think it should be personally. And the last thing I'm going to do is assume what I think these, these coaches should be doing uh, should be doing in this type of game. So the only place I'm going to look right now for consideration to make the final list of my props column is going to be Mike Davis under 51 and a half at DraftKings sport, uh, Sportsbook right now. I have no problem with you going ahead and playing that one either, Chris, because you know Tampa Bay is going to come in here, at least at defense, they're going to come in here a little salty. And they're going to know that, you know, this is a big drop down in class for them. I mean, you had Sanders out there. You had Thomas out there. You had Kamara running around all over the place. Like, it's just that's not an easy team to defend. I think this is going to be a much easier team to defend. And the fact that they don't have McCaffrey in there, I think that they could probably slow Mike Davis down. And if they do get a little bit of a lead in here, don't forget, they're a six-point road favorite. You know, that, that they might end up having to go away from, from Davis in this game. So uh, I, don't, I don't particularly, um, you know, dislike that play at all. Uh, I think Tampa's defense comes in here and they play you know, a pretty rough and tough game. You know, one of the weird things, Chris, this week is that we have five one o'clock games and they decided to go ahead and put up six four o'clock games. I think you and I might have been complaining, maybe it was like two weeks ago, how they had like 10 one o'clock games and only two four o'clock games. So um, I don't know. The NFL scheduling is kind of screwed up. I don't think it's anything due to COVID. I think it's just, and we got a bunch of West Coast teams going uh, for this week. I think I have a bunch of East Coast teams on the bye. Let's go over to the Broncos and the Raiders. Raiders going to be minus three and a half points here in Las Vegas. Total 50 and a half. You know, I thought about using Lockris and DFS again. And then I'm like, let me go back to, to last week. Look what he looked like in the three quarters. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I got really, really lucky. And then I'm starting to see like Judy right now is listed as questionable. So I'm wondering if he's 100%. So I'm more than likely probably going to go ahead and back away from Locke. As far as the Raiders were concerned, you know, I I, I kind of just felt I felt like like there's just too many guys right now for that Raiders team. Like they don't seem to have like you know that one or two particular guys. And then I started to look at Waller, and I'm like, all right, maybe Waller, maybe he's the one guy I could use. So I was kind of up in the air. I felt like I was a little confused with this one. So do me a favor, talk me out of Locke, and maybe just talk me into Waller for a prop, and I'll, I'll feel pretty good with that game, and I can you know, find something somewhere else. No, I'm not going to talk you out, Drew Locke, because uh, I'm buying into Jerry Judy again this week. And, you know, he almost tripled his receiving prop last week, which was which was set at 47 and a half against the Falcons. I just did not understand that at all. But that's what you're seeing sometimes. We're, we're starting to see some of these rookie wide receivers like on the cusp of breaking out or just beginning their breakouts. And, and look, I mean, a breakout doesn't have to happen in one game. A breakout can like gradually happen over the course of a couple of weeks because you see 
the catches, the yards, the targets, the air yards all start to trend up. And that's what we all, all signals pointed to that last week with Jerry Judy and the matchup was there. The game script was there and he smashed and he was a top receiver. And I've got Jerry Judy ranked as a top. I'm probably pretty bullish on him compared to most of the industry this week, which probably has him, I think in the low twenties, which is still pretty high for rankings wise. I've got him ranked inside the top 15 and I'm not going to hesitate for that because over the last two weeks combined, Jerry Judy leads the NFL in air yards. And what the Broncos have done is they've shifted him out to the perimeter where earlier in the year, he was running a lot of his routes out of the slot. Now we have Tim Patrick back fully healthy on the opposite side on the perimeter. So defenses are going to have to account for him. They still have to account for uh, Noah Fant at tight end, who was getting healthier each week. At least it seems like, even though he was banged up a little bit last week, but he looks like he's fully healthy. He doesn't have an injury tag for this week. KJ Hamler, another talented rookie, They're playing him out of the slot where he thrived at Penn State in college. So all that goes to say is that Jerry Judy, it's going to be hard for defenses to key in on him. And he gets a great matchup again this week. He has back-to-back career highs in yards with 73 yards a couple weeks ago, 125 as I mentioned last week. And I brought this up on our preview pod again. Uh, The Raiders are allowing over nine yards per target and Judy's averaging 12 targets over the last two weeks. I expect the volume to be there. And I expect this matchup to come through for us. I don't think the books are going to set it high enough in terms of his receiving yards, wherever you can find it right now. Uh, I would probably play it probably close to 80 or higher. So I'm looking right now, Sleepy, I'm not seeing this game available on DraftKings. If we can try to check uh, FanDuel to see if they're close to what my projection was, uh, feel free to interrupt me because I'm just hovering over to this game right now to see what the total is. Uh, I think he's another candidate to, to break a hundred yards in this game. I'm not saying play him over a hundred yards. That'd be crazy, but Oh yeah. So the, I, I expect sleepy. I expected this line. I projected it to be like high sixties, low seventies. FanDuel has it at 54 and a half. So you know, that's, that's, that's a smash over man. That, that might be my number one prop of the week. Uh, they, they raised it seven yards from last week. So it clearly, you know, these rookies, they, they don't have the name, the household name value in the NFL yet. And I, this is a trend that I've started to see doing props with you this year is that you see it in fantasy, the rankings move up. But sometimes with these guys, Jerry Judy's never done it before. You know, he, he's in his first year. I expect these books to move faster and getting these numbers higher. That number is just way too low for a guy who leads the NFL in air yards over the last two weeks, a first round draft talent in a team that's supposed to be trailing Playing in a negative game script with a plus matchup, need I say more? Jerry Judy, absolutely 100% over 54 and a half receiving yards. All right. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to argue with you. You've been you've been dead money, and I used them last week, and you helped me make you know a couple hundred bucks in one of my fantasy leagues. So I think you got to up again in DFS. I think he's got to be like a top five option because his price isn't even that high. He's like in the mid uh, five thousands on DraftKings. What I saw. I think the only worry I have with Judy is the fact that he, you know, he did have a, a shoulder injury and he didn't practice on Wednesday and he was limited Thursday and Friday. But Fangio said that he's pretty confident that Judy's going to go. But when you like when you say like a guy is you're pretty confident that a guy's going to go like that to me just sounds, you know, 60, 40. So I think one of the I'll tell you one of the things that I did do, Chris, you might think this is absolutely crazy. But I'm actually pretty good sometimes with picking out defenses, and I I'm going to use the Broncos defense this week. It's dirt cheap right now uh, at Fan at FanDuel, and it's dirt cheap on DraftKings. It's like 2,400. I'm going to use the Broncos. I think after last week, 
that effort that they gave on defense against Atlanta. And look, it's Atlanta, very similar to the Raiders. But I think Denver comes in here, and I think they play a, a whole hell of a lot better. I think cars kind of do for that stinker type of game, and this might be that game. So I did go ahead and I did that. Uh, what was the other thing I wanted to go ahead and tell you? Sleepy, it's funny you say that uh, before you say the next thing here is because I'm actually targeting the Raiders defense on DraftKings because I know they just, they, they were one of my favorite plays as a streamer this week, and I, and I feel that Locke is just turnover prone in general. So if the Raiders can jump out to a lead – yeah, the Broncos and Locke might amass those gar- garbage time statistics and points, but I think the Raiders can get a couple picks. Maybe playing at home, they get a pick six. I don't know. I'm not. We're not going to predict that, but I do like the Raiders' defense uh, as a sleeper in DFS this week and two in that same game. You know, it's funny is that right now they have Derek Carr over interceptions plus one eighty five. They have Drew Locke interceptions over a half minus one ninety. So. Wow. The fact that we just talked about this and I'm looking at least at the market, like I'm looking at guys that throw interceptions right now. There's nobody on here except Aaron Rodgers that I can see right now as I quick, quickly breeze through. Aaron Rodgers is like plus 221 to throw a pick, and that's, you know, to throw one. Carr's like the second guy. So as I mentioned, Carr's not turning the ball over, but I just felt like it was due. Maybe I'm Maybe I'm reaching for the stars with that one. I don't know. But it's funny that, you know, at least I'm talking about this because, you know, when it, you that's one of the things you always help everybody out with what you help me out with is you know going through DFS, dfs type stuff like you know like i had mentioned you know i, I hopped on judy last week because you said it you know i hopped on robinson last week because you said it. you know i'm using a lot of the guys because i know that you're doing the work so maybe i'll reconsider i'll certainly reconsider i think maybe i was trying to be a little bit of a wise guy uh with that one i will be a wise guy with this one chris and we can hurry up and go ahead and talk about this before we jump to the next game you know, I, I like the usage that Hamler got last week. He had 10 targets. He had six catches, 75 yards. And I think similarly, this Raiders secondary is very similar to Atlanta. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play Hamler to go ahead and score a touchdown in this game. You know, I used, tried to use him, I'd say maybe it was like four or five weeks ago, but it was in a game in which I thought that there would be snow on the ground when they played Kansas City. Uh, that really necessarily wasn't the case. I mean, the weather wasn't great. There was snow on the ground. But I'm going to go ahead and use Hamler to go ahead and score a touchdown. I could get him at plus 320. If I could get a guy that's getting, you know, 10 targets, and I know it's one of those situations where, you know, maybe I'm buying low with him because it, it was like, a, a you know, my public perception is like, ooh, 10 targets, da 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 But what if he goes out and he goes and he gets those 10 targets? I certainly think there's a there's a good probability he scores a touchdown. So if you want to go ahead and talk, on, talk me out of that or talk me into it, tell me how you're feeling about Hamler with all those targets he had last week. You think maybe he finally goes and gets in the end zone? Uh, I don't know, man, that the touchdown props are so hard to figure out, you know, with, with fantasy, because things can go so many, so many different ways, you know, no fan could catch a touchdown, Jerry, Judy, Tim, Patrick, Drew Locke can rush for a touchdown. Then you have Lindsay and Gordon. So that's why I, I tend not to play the touchdown props is because of my fantasy experience is like, that's the one thing you never bet on in fantasy is the touchdowns. I mean, yeah, you have guys like Derrick Henry who are going to score more touchdowns, on a weekly basis, but the 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 line, the juice on those isn't going to be too great in terms of getting these positive EV bets. So I think if the if the odds are high enough, definitely you might consider a guy like that. But uh, a slot receiver like Hamler, I, I think you could see, maybe you could bet on him get getting close to the volume he got last week. Uh, but other than that, I I just I, I just couldn't go there. Um, 
And, and Tim Patrick's shown to be like a big body type of end zone threat too. So I, I think Hamler has a lot of competition with Judy, with Fant. Uh, they're using Melvin Gordon along the goal line. And then Lindsey's sh- shown the ability to break off long touchdowns, run him, runs himself. So with that many other options to score touchdowns instead of Hamler, it would back me off that. But I do think he is a decent like dart throw, low price play in DFS because he is very talented he, he, he has shown deep threat ability, even though the last couple of weeks he's been running about 90% of his routes out of the slot. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about, and we can go ahead and close this up, you know, the fact that the running backs just, they, I mean, they, they look like crap last week. And I know Drew Locke actually led the team in rushing, but, you know, they both kind of look like crap. I just wonder if Denver just kind of like tries to air it out. It's like, why are we going to try to run against this team? You know, it just makes no sense. We could We can go ahead and throw all day. And that was my thought was that, you know, maybe Hamler just go ahead and he just gets, you know, the same amount of targets because the running backs looked bad. They didn't help them out at all. I mean, that was one of the reasons why, you know, Denver fell behind in that game. Well, it was really the rushing and lock combined. But I felt like, you know, the only reason why Denver even had a chance to even, you know, they had a chance to go ahead and I think it was get an onside kick to go ahead and go for a tie. But I felt like Hamler was like, you know, he was like a real big part of that game in that, in, in that Atlanta game. So I don't see why the hell they would go away from him this week. So I'll go ahead. I'll do it. I'll try it. You know how I am. I'm trying to lure you in slowly into (laughs) some more of the touchdown props. Maybe I can get you to go ahead and and get you into this one. This, uh, this Cardinals team, they've, they just baffle me, but we got the bills. They're going to be on the road here, Chris. Oh, sorry about that. Something popped up. It's all good. We got the bills here. They're going to be on the road. Cardinals are going to be minus two and a half total 56. I played chase Edmonds. To go ahead and score a touchdown, that was the last time. I'm like, I'm not messing with any more Cardinals, guys. I'll let you go ahead and talk me into somebody. You could talk me into somebody on the Cardinals because I know one thing. I thought this Bills defense was going to be like number one, number two, number three in the league, and they're far from that. This team, you can run on them. You can pass on them. They're, they're, they they look like they're let's bend a little bit more, you know, and, and let's hope we don't break instead of a bend and don't break kind of defense. But I'm worried about the Bills, you know. this This total right now – is 56 for a reason. They do expect points in this game. So I'm going to assume that the Cardinals are going to get some some guys in the end zone. Tell me Chase Edmonds will be one. I'm not going to, I don't want to develop a bias. That's one of the worst things you can do as a better. And I don't want to develop that bias because I felt like I had a rock solid bet when I took Edmonds the last time that I played him to score a touchdown. And I feel pretty good about him doing it again, but I might need you to go ahead and, and talk me into it, Chris. And I know you're not the guy to go ahead and talk to uh, about the touchdown props, but at least just Give me something where I can feel good about Edmonds, maybe rushing, maybe receiving something. Give me yeah. something. Yeah, I mean, you, sh- you should feel good because this is an even better matchup on the ground for Arizona than it was last week. And let's talk about DFS because a lot of people, I think, are going to shy away from Edmonds after he kind of let them down last week. But let's look at the usage, man. You know, we're talking like 95% plus touches and usage for Chase Edmonds. He had 25 carries in that game. You cannot argue that for anything. And maybe he didn't score, but the fact he didn't score, a lot of pe- a lot of people might not go back to him. The Bill uh, the Bills defense has been very easy to att- attack on the ground and they're they're saying right now that Kenyon Drake is like a game time decision. From what we've seen the last couple of weeks and the injury he's dealing with, I would be very surprised if Drake winds up suiting up. So that's why you don't see any rushing props for Edmonds. I actually wouldn't be afraid to go back to over rushing on Edmonds. We hit that last week and look, we barely got it with 25 carries, 
But that Dolphins defense, as tough as they are through the air with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, they've also been pretty tough up front on the ground. Um, so I think the matchup improves this week in Arizona and Buffalo. We're seeing a higher total for this game. So I think this could be maybe the, the biggest shootout on the slate. Uh, uh, we'll talk about, obviously, the, the Rams and Seahawks game in a little bit. But all those reasons alone have me loving Chase Edmonds as a top 10 ranked running back in fantasy. Obviously, again, assuming that Kenyon Drake does not play in this game. I, I would look towards the prop. Also, certain books you can get carries overall. So I would look to see what the prop on Chase Edmonds overall carries would be. Uh, in this game, uh, that, that's definitely a place I would look right now. Um, I'm looking at Bet Online AG. They only have Buffalo's running backs. They have Zach Moss at 11 carries, Singletary at 12 carries. So I'm going to look to see what they come up with with Edmonds on that. I'd prob- probably play him close to 20 carries again because um, he had 25 last week. And then Kyler Murray on the ground. Uh, Dan Rivera gave us the numbers on the preview pod. You know, he, and, and I mentioned that he had hit over like 65, 70 rushing yards in like close to 70% of his games this year. So, you know, we're looking at the rushing yard prop on him at being 51 and a half. And I mentioned like the inefficiency from Drake and from Edmonds running the ball in terms of their yards per carry. Uh, it's because Kyler Murray's their number one running back. So he he's running the ball very efficiently this season. I know you mentioned that you don't like to play typically the rushing on quarterbacks when it's like two rushing quarterbacks facing each other. So I'm sure you could probably still talk me out of that one. But I am still looking to Kyler Murray and Edmonds over on rushing. And then receiving-wise, I, I think John Brown is really due for a big game in this matchup. This is another revenge game for him. He, play, he played for Arizona for a long time, and he's he's finally fully healthy now, probably for the second straight week in this matchup. And he smashed the over on his receiving yards last week. So uh, John Brown over 47.5. I, I think Patrick Peterson is going to try, try to shadow Stephon Diggs. I still think Diggs will have a good day receiving, but his prop is 78 and a half. So give me John Brown against his former team with the better with the better defensive back matchup in a shootout. Uh, that's my favorite play on the Bills side of thing is John Brown over 47 and a half receiving yards. You know, one of the reasons I didn't talk you out of the Kyler Murray rushing was the fact that the total was 56. You know, had it been like a lower total, you know, a game where we didn't expect a whole lot of, of points to be scored. And maybe I would, you know, maybe I would say that I, I'm not going to do that here. And I'm not going to talk myself out of, out of going ahead and, and using Chase Edmonds to go ahead and score a touchdown. You know, right now you can get Edmonds to score a touchdown, Chris, at plus 105. When I gave that out the last time I gave it out, it was minus 120. And I noticed throughout the day that that number closed minus 167. So I'm going to guess that people listening to our podcast, because we do have a, a decent amount of listenership, and I think people trust the information that we give out. I believe that they bet a lot of Chase Edmonds to score a touchdown. So, yeah, look, he let us down. But one of the most important things, and I'll, and, and this is something that, that I'll stand by, and you guys will eventually learn this if if you haven't learned this yet, don't develop a bias for somebody that lets you down, you know, because they can turn around and they can pick you back up uh, threefold, you know, the next time. And not only in sports, but, you know, we know that about life in general as well. So I'm going to go ahead, Chris. I'm going to. I'm, it's just the total is just way too damn high, and I know this Bills rush defense, you know, isn't anything special. So I'm going to go ahead. I'll, I'll play Chase Edmonds plus 105 to go ahead and score a touchdown. I think, you know, as Chris had mentioned, you know, with the usage that he's getting, you know, this guy could get loose once or twice, and and you know, we're good, we're, we're fine. And if we do go ahead and get down in the red zone, um, I think there's a, there's a solid chance that you know that Ed, Edmonds is going to get his touches down there as well. 
hopefully it'll be Edmonds and uh, it won't be Murray because I could see Murray going ahead and getting one. Murray's actually the favorite in the entire game, Chris, to go ahead and score a touchdown at minus 120. Yeah. So Yeah, because he's been scoring more rushing touchdowns, and he's been really sapping the value in fantasy away away from Kenyon Drake earlier in the season. That's why we were really down on Drake, because when Drake and Edmonds are both in there, Drake is literally just getting carries. Edmonds, get, Edmonds is getting the receiving work, and then Kyler's scoring the rushing touchdown. So, you know, that's why Drake was a really big bust earlier in the year, and I still think he'll be a bust coming back unless Edmonds got hurt and he started getting more targets. So, you know, that's a story for another day. But I want to ask you this, Sleepy, because, you know, you're the professional handicapper with more experience in this than I am. I obviously have more of the experience on the fantasy side of things, and I use that for my props and a lot of my handicaps. But when you're looking at, like, a, like you mentioned Edmonds at plus 105, what probability does that give you that he's going to score a touchdown? Because I'm looking at the total right now. It's set at 56 at Bet Online. And the Cardinals being two and a half point favorites, let's say that basically they're projected between 29 to 30 points in this game. So let's say they're scoring four touchdowns. Um, What probability at plus 105 do you consider that a positive like EV value bet uh, to where you're going to bet that Edmonds touchdown prop? Because if they're scoring four touchdowns, you, you know, what percentage chance does he have to score one of those fours? Guess what I'm saying? So I don't know if I asked that the right way. I think you kind of know what I'm hinting at, but you tell me, and I think that can kind of help us sort through things going forward, not just for this game, but for other games with those types of props too. Yeah, I think we have to look at that in two different ways, Chris. One, if you're just going and you're like, oh, I think Chase Edmonds is going to end up you know, rushing for a TD, more than likely you're making a, a bad EV bet to start. Number two, these books, they're not ever giving you, they're not, they're not giving you, you know, the right price ever. I mean, uh, in reality, Edmonds, maybe he should be plus 105 and maybe he should be, or maybe he should be closing, you know, minus 167, like maybe 167 minus 167. You know, maybe that was the right number. I don't know. But generally, you know, you're, you're not getting value in these types of props, but what you are getting value in, you know, you're getting it in this situation. And the fact that this number is 56, the fact that, you know, his usage has gone up, I think that you can find this to particular situations and go, it's the same with you, Chris. Like when you do your fantasy, you're like, you know what? Like I'm looking at his yards and I'm looking at his receptions and it's like, this guy's in a, in a smash spot, as you say, you know, and it's like his numbers seems maybe maybe even it might be a little overinflated maybe but it might be a little underinflated but you're looking more at the situation like before you even like really consider the number you're more or less considering the situation to know if there's even a play that's even even something that you can go ahead and make so to go ahead and and clear it up the easy way for me to say is you're never going to get a bargain from the sports books on any type of of touchdown prop you're never going to get a bargain from the sports books when you're betting futures that's not what they do that's not how they make their money they get they rob the betters what we have to do is we have to find those situations you know i got to talk to guys like you and you're like look this is the you know the worst team against the tight end uh they, they're, they're starting wide receiver is going to be out this guy's going to get a lot of volume da, 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 da. and that's when i talk to you and then we start to go ahead and figure it out and then then you get closer and closer and closer to those plus ev bets so i feel pretty good that edmonds right now is getting closer to a plus EV bet. One, I'm getting plus 105. And the fact that in the last game, he closed minus 167. And the fact that this line is so high, and I know particularly, 
what this Bills rush defense looks like, I feel like I'm making a pretty good bet. So I, I generally, when I when I do give out these touchdown props, Chris, you know, it goes a lot into what I say and what you say and kind of, you know, what what's in front of me, you know, with all the numbers before I go ahead and say, you know what, I'm making a bad bet. Like that Hamler bet that I made, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I, I said it, you know, on this podcast just, what, 10 minutes ago that I felt like I was reaching for the stars a little bit. That that, that That's a bad bet to make, but I felt – I felt like maybe we can go ahead and squeeze him in there, but particularly if you make that type of bet over and over and over and over again, and I don't say that on this podcast, you're going to lose money in the long run. You're going to end up getting killed probably in the long run. But I think at times you can take a shot here, a shot there, you know, for a pizza bet here, a pizza bet here. I'm not saying go with late three units on Chase Edmonds to score a touchdown, but I think certainly, you know, making a pizza bet, making a one-star play, you know, on this particular prop play, uh, I, I feel pretty good with that. And, I don't know what your your best bet of the week was last week, but I mean it was it was over before halftime, and I'm like, you know, those are the ones when when we come out and we're like, this is our best bet prop. You know, yeah, you can lay two three units on that, and Chris, more than likely, you know, we're going into that situation where you're going, this is like, you know, this is like everything that needs to happen. It's happening for this particular guy, and it's going to end up happening in this game. We're going to end up cashing this ticket. So a lot of it's situation. Um, I think that's the easy way for me to kind of clear it up, but I can't put a probability on it because there's just so many different ways to go ahead and, and kind of weigh it out. At least that's the way that I think about it. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely an interesting way to like hear, hear, hear it coming from your thought process of things. And again, this is like a, we call it our money picks pod, but it's more of like a player prop process pod, because again, a lot of these books aren't putting out the lines even Friday night. Sometimes we have to wait till su- uh, Saturday night, even Sunday morning to get a lot of these numbers here. Um, and, and you look at, at Chase Edmonds just real quick. We'll wrap this up real quick here. But the last note I'll make is that overall, you look at Chase Edmonds on the year, he scored three touchdowns, one rushing and two receiving. Obviously, he's he was a limited back, only like a passing down back earlier in the year until just last week when he got that fully featured role. Uh, overall on the year, he's had, if you combine his carries and receptions, He's had 83 combined touches and 83, if you combine that by the amount of touchdowns he scored, which is low, you know, overall, you're looking at basically he's scoring on once every 27 to 28 touches. And that's basically what he got last week. So I think regression wise, we talk about that a lot in fantasy is like, hey, this guy hasn't been scoring many touchdowns, but the amount of touches he's getting in this type of offense the, those numbers will regress and go back go back to like the league average as a whole more often than not. So in that case, I do think that he would be a solid bet, especially when you mentioned the fact that it's going from like close to minus 170 to now plus money in a better matchup in a higher total. So I, I think all those reasons, and again, you, you mentioned not being biased from losing the bet the previous week. I, I try not to do that either. So all that goes to say, I think it's even better bet than it was last week. Uh, and if you are going to play a prop like that, you know, why not give it to a guy who's going to get 25 plus touches in the game? You know, it's funny that we're talking about, you know, the, like the prop that you really, really loved. And it was on, it was, you know, with, with digs, with the bills, like that was your, yeah, right. Uh, right. That was your number one guy. I knew it was. And it was like, I even plugged him into my fantasy and all that stuff. I ended up cashing prop bets with him. So, uh, that was a good one. And I know that like, when you, when you said that on the podcast, like you felt like that was probably like the best bet much positive EV. And when you're thinking that the book doesn't have to tell you that you're making a bad bet, you could just say, 
I don't care what the line is. I know I'm making a good bet. And the minute you know that you're making a good bet, then you got to be plus EV in your mind. Unless you're just, you know, you're buying into some like terrible price, then I can understand. But a lot of it has to go into, you know, listening to guys like you, listening to me and kind of sitting down and figuring this stuff out. Because as we talk through this stuff, you know, we say, all right, you know, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about this. Well, that that sounds really, really good. All right, cool. And then before you know it, it's like, man, we got 10 things in our favor and five of them we didn't even think about. And before you know it, you, you start to really love something. And then before you know it, you know, it ends up turning into, a, you know, cold, hard cash. Let's try to do that with the next game, though, the Chargers and the Dolphins. One of the things that I will note, I believe that the hitman on our Wednesday podcast said if this line got to one and a half, he was going to go ahead and tease the dog. So it looks like maybe maybe the hitman's probably thinking about teasing the Chargers up to plus seven and a half. I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against them on that one. I, I think the Chargers probably keep this one close. The fact that the line's one and a half, they're telling you it's probably gonna be a close game. Total forty eight, Chris. I don't know what to do with this one. You know, I start thinking about Chargers guys, and then I'm like, Boy, that's not gonna be an easy freaking pass defense to go up against. And then you see what what Kyler tried to do against them, and I'm just like, I don't know, dude. So I don't know if I would even mess with any of the Chargers guys. If I was going to do anything, maybe it would be somebody on the ground. But then you got guys that were hurt. Uh, my boy last week crushed me, Jackson. Uh, he ended up getting hurt in, what, the second play of the game. Uh, Tremaine Pope was out. He's listed as questionable. So I don't know what to do with the Chargers. That much I know. And as far as the Dolphins are concerned, you know, their backfield's a little bit screwy right now. So I don't know what to do with those guys. I think they have some injuries at the wide receiver spot. So as I'm just going through this entire game, Chris, I'm just like, there's got to be a guy, and if anybody has that guy, it's going to be Chris. I didn't get a chance to really dig, dig, dig into this, but I know that you know that there's going to be a guy in this game that's going to get a bunch of targets or a bunch of rushes. So who do you got? I know you're holding out somebody. Who do you got? Well, I mean, you have to look at Keenan Allen every single week. He's he's the model of consistency when it comes to receivers, uh, whether it's receptions, whether it's fantasy points just week to week. Uh, and he gets a very good matchup here because he's not going to be facing Xavier Howard or Byron Jones in shadow coverage. Keenan Allen playing out of the slot, you know, big body target, maybe the smoothest route runner in the league. And the reception total is set at six and a half. And, and I'm just going to say, Sleepy, that number is absolutely wrong. Every single game he has played with Justin Herbert, the least amount of catches he's had in a game was seven catches, and that was against the Chiefs' very tough secondary. That was in Herbert's first start in a game he had maybe 10 minutes heads up to know he was starting in that game. So uh, you look at the game since then, full games, because he did leave one game early with an injury in which he only had two catches, although that was in the first quarter alone. Uh, 13 catches, 8 catches, 10, 9, 9. Double-digit targets in every single every single full game with Justin Herbert, that is six out of six games with at least 10 targets. He, he even had a game with 19 targets. So over six and a half on DraftKings right now, minus 107. Absolutely, 100% play Keenan Allen over six and a half catches. We are hitting that every single week that he's playing a full game with Justin Herbert. Again, I mentioned the matchup here. If you're going to attack the Dolphins through the air, it's going to be in the slot because Mike Williams will get some type of shadow coverage from one of those two guys. I don't expect them to send. Maybe you're going to see Xavier Howard or Byron Jones on Keenan Allen from time to time. It's not going to be 100% because these teams tend to not send their perimeter defensive backs into the slot very often. Uh, that's just something we don't see teams and coaches do. So that's where I'm looking in this game. If you want to do like 
a long shot DFS type of player. I mean, a guy like Jalen Guyton, we've seen him get these get these long, deep shots from Justin Herbert, who has not hesitated to chuck the ball down the field. His receiving yards prop is at like 28 and a half. Uh, it's not it's not an official play for me, but it, it's like a deep throw, dart throw type of DFS. You want to stack Herbert with a guy like that, where it's probably going to be like 0.1% owned on the slate here. He, he could help you squeeze more expensive guys into your lineups. But yeah, just go going back. I mean, Keenan Allen, honestly, I thought the prop would be set at about seven and a half. And even then I would probably consider it. But the fact it's six and a half. I'll gladly take the over on catches there. You mentioned it, Sleepy. We don't know what the running back situation is going to be because Troy Main Pope with the neck injury is still considered questionable. Uh, this is another revenge game, this time from Kalen Balage playing his old team in the Dolphins, the team where people kind of love to hate him because of how inefficient he was. But we've seen you know, Jordan Howard be even more inefficient in that backfield there. So, uh that's that. That's where I'm looking. If you look at the Dolphins side of things, their running back situation is also unclear. Matt Breda questionable. Uh, could it be DeAndre Washington in his first game with the team that they traded for him a few weeks ago? Um, could it be uh, undrafted rookie Salvan Ahmed? Uh, I don't think it's going to be Jordan Howard. So that that's that's a situation that's completely up in the air right now. And the only rushing prop you're seeing is Joshua Kelly at 40 and a half. Uh, personally. I would I would lean towards the under on that. That's something I got to look at a little bit more because if, if Pope and Balage both play, uh, I don't see any of these backs. Maybe they're splitting it, you know, you know, a third of the work between the three guys. So I I don't know. Kelly's at forty and a half. I just I just don't see that him getting close to that with the usage he might get. But uh, but but anyways, you tell me what you're thinking. Uh, otherwise, Devontae Parker, you know, he, he's the guy you want to go to uh, go to with no Preston Williams anymore. Although Devontae Parker does get a tough matchup with Casey Hayward, possibly in shadow coverage in this matchup, I think the volume will be there for him. Uh, unfortunately, on DraftKings, I'm not seeing any numbers on Devontae Parker, so I would look there, but Keenan Allen over six and a half again, my favorite play in this game. You know, I've, I'm not going to go against Keenan Allen. There's no way in hell I'd do that. You make a solid case, and I mean, he could be double covered, dude, and he's still going to catch seven passes, so it don't matter. You know, one of the things that I'm thinking about, you know, as you were mentioning, Kelly probably under rushing, you know, you have to assume that Bellage is probably working with Herbert, you know, at some capacity. I mean, the further that you go down the line when it comes to the wide receivers and, and the running backs, those are the guys that started out the season with Herbert, you know, going ahead and, and getting work with that guy. So I wasn't really surprised that I saw Bellage actually end up with, you know, a decent amount of touches last week. So the fact that you're thinking that it might be split in the thirds, I don't disagree with you at all. I think that that's certainly... Uh, an option. I, I wouldn't use any of these guys in fantasy uh, coming up to this week. So uh, I'll give you guys that one. Don't use any of these guys, you know, rushing. Don't use any of the rushers for the chargers in your fantasy. I think that that's certainly uh, a way to go ahead and look. Uh, why don't we go ahead and keep rolling here, Chris? We got a couple more games. We're running late on time. We're once we start talking, you know how that goes. Uh, you got the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going to be at home here. Minus seven total 45 and a half. Here's a prop I'm going to look for. I'm only going to look for one prop in this one. I'm going to look for Joe Burrow to go ahead and throw an interception in this game. You know, one of the things that we know about the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, they have one more, they probably have one of the most complex blitz schemes in, in the entire league. And we know that Cincinnati's offensive line, you know, tends to go ahead and have rough days. And Burrow has been sacked a ton throughout this entire season. And I have a feeling that Burrow is going to be like, you know, a little bit confused with what's going on with the Pittsburgh defense. I have a feeling he's going to end up with a lot of pressure. And he might be like, you know what, man, I don't want to get smacked 
you know, over and over and over again against this Pittsburgh Steelers team. Because if you go back and you look at what Pittsburgh's done, I want to go and say the last like 20 years against rookie quarterbacks, Pittsburgh's like 26 and five. They just dominate rookie quarterbacks. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, their defensive schemed or defensive coaches and Tomlin. Like they just know, look, this works against rookie quarterbacks. And a lot of it's just put pressure on them, put pressure on them, blitz, 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 throw different schemes in them, switch everything up, confuse the shit out of them. And eventually, you know, it, it leads to turnovers, it leads to sacks. So uh, that number right now isn't up, Chris. I can't find anywhere for Burrow interception, but I do know that that number will surface. So I would say if it's anywhere, maybe minus 150 to, you know, anywhere anywhere plus money, which you're not going to find. Hold on one second. I would say anywhere right, maybe around minus 150 or below. Maybe we go ahead and we play Burrow to go ahead and throw an interception in that game. Uh, as far as anything else goes, the only other thing I have for that one, Chris, I think if Cincinnati's going to stay in this game, you and I both probably would agree they're going to have to throw the ball. So I feel like my likelihood of uh, of getting Burrow to go ahead and throw a pick is pretty good. I don't have anything for Pittsburgh. They let me down last week. I had a bunch of props on those guys, and they do have a lot of mouths to feed. So I just think it's it's tough. I believe there was a COVID situation going on with, with this particular game. I noticed that pregame.com, their game center, had a lot of the a lot of the books had no line for this game. So uh, that's the line that we have. That's the information that I'm going to go ahead and give you guys. What are you thinking, Chris? Yeah, so uh, Big Ben was like a close contact to someone with COVID. So we're handicapping this game as if Big Ben's going to play. And obviously he has like the knee injuries that he suffered last week, but he only missed four snaps in that game and came back and finished the game against the Cowboys. So – well, this handy, handicap is going to be again assuming Big Ben is playing. I do agree with you. I do agree with you here that I think this is a, like a get get right spot for the Steelers defense, who kind of slipped up a little bit against the Cowboys last week. I do expect them to get a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow. That offensive line has struggled to keep him upright this season, which is why I like Tyler Boyd even more. The fact that Pittsburgh's defense has been most vulnerable. Uh, passing wise against the slot. And Tyler Boyd's been one of the most efficient slot receivers all year. He's averaging close to seven catches, 73 yards on the season. I'm not seeing reception numbers for Tyler Boyd. That's where I would like to go first with it. But the yardage wise, I see FanDuel has him about 70 and a half. I would right now lean towards Tyler Boyd. I would see if you could find a number in like the mid to high 60s with him first. But um, you know, all slot receivers have been able to post pretty much like all of them post double digit PPR fantasy points against uh, the Steelers this season. And none of them have seen more than seven targets in a game. So, you know, you see Mike Hilton defending the slot. Uh, I, I think right now he's questionable in this matchup, but either way, I think Tyler Boyd will have the matchup edge when you look at the options and the fact that Joe Burrow is going to need to get the ball out of his hands quick in this game here. So again, Mike Hilton questionable, um, but it looks like that was downgraded actually from earlier in the week. So when you see a guy downgraded late in the week, it it means he might be uh, uh, trending towards not playing. So uh, either way, I like that even more if Hilton is out. Even if he's in, I still like Tyler Boyd over. If anything, if you're going to look on the rushing side of thing, I would look towards maybe playing Giovanni Bernard under rushing yards uh, in this game just because Pittsburgh's been very difficult to attack on the ground this year. And the fact that Giovanni Bernard, even though he will get a lot of work, uh, Samaje P. Ryan will also mix in with no uh, with no Joe Mixon in the fold and get some carries there too. So I do have Giovanni Bernard ranked as a top 15 fantasy option this week. I would look towards under his rushing, and I would mainly look toward Boyd over receiving yards. 
you know what I was thinking if if let's just say Big Ben does get ruled out that we probably go ahead and look maybe at Claypool, maybe going ahead and taking his receiving yards over or Claypool probably his receptions over. I would assume that Claypool's probably getting the most work with somebody like Landry. So that's just one thing that I would go ahead and, and consider. Um, that, well, that's certainly I, not. I think it's going to be Rudolph that plays. Or Rudolph. I'm sorry. Yeah, Rudolph. Yeah, uh, if it is Rudolph, that's what I meant. I, I'm going back probably too far. Uh, <laughs> I would say that if Rudolph ends up, you know, being the starter, that we maybe go ahead and, and maybe we play Claypool over his receiving yards. Right now, it's like 58 and a half, but I would assume somebody like Rudolph and Claypool probably got, you know, a decent amount of work together uh, throughout this entire season. Well, actually, Sleepy, one last thing is you remember last year when Rudolph started most of the games and who had the breakout year last year? Deontay Johnson with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges throwing in the ball. So it would be a very ugly play to trust any receiver over. But I would think Deontay has the most chemistry based off what they did on the field together last year. Although Chase Claypool could be involved. I I, I would pr- probably definitely look towards playing Juju under in that situation. Cause right now, right now Juju has the highest prop total out of the three. I think all these players should be lined about evenly and the fact we're seeing Juju at 63 and a half, then you see Claypool and Deontay both at 58 and a half. So if anything, the value right now as it stands, regardless whether Ben plays or not, would be on Juju under uh, compared to the other two guys in this situation. Yeah, that's a that's a much better play than than you know going for the play that I had. That that would be the way that I went. I, I and it makes perfect sense because you're right. You know, last year, I mean, Johnson and, and Rudolph. I mean, they had. You know, they had a pretty good rapport together, and I would assume that if Claypool got a lot of work with him, well, then either Johnson's going to be the one or Claypool's going to be the one, and they're going to be one, two, one, two. And then maybe it ends up, you know, shifting. I'm just going to say it. Maybe Juju ends up becoming the third, you know, look in that, in that particular offense. So it's just something that we're going to have to go and we're going to have to watch. And if, if that does happen, uh, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll scratch my play to go ahead and look maybe at Claypool. And we'll just go and we'll play Juju under that. That makes the most sense. Uh, that's why we do this podcast. So we can go ahead and, and dig that kind of information up. All right, Chris, this is the one where you thought you might see a lot of points. Seahawks, Rams, Rams going to be minus two here at home. Uh, there are a few two and a halfs out there. I know a lot of the wise guys end up liking the Rams uh, this entire week. Seahawks total is going to be 54 and a half. I think on Wednesday, Chris, I said we would talk about this game about particular players that we liked. And the first player I plugged into my DFS lineup was Robert Woods. So I didn't consider even really looking at any of the props yet. But as far as DFS goes, Robert Woods was like auto. He was his auto. And I think a lot of it had to do with Cup being questionable. And I'm like, how, how do you not play that guy? And then I'm like, well, maybe Reynolds is a guy you could plug in too. I don't know. Maybe I was thinking tight ends, but... Like Woods was just like Otto. He was the first guy I plugged in. So I'm not sure how you're feeling about, about this particular game, but I have a feeling you you probably like a little bit of Woods or or at least a couple of those Rams wide receivers. Yeah, no no teams allowing more production to wide receivers this year than the Seattle Seahawks, and it's not even close. Um, so I, I really like Cooper Cup a lot because of the fact that Seattle's not only the worst against defending receiver they're defending receivers, they're also the worst at defending against slot receivers as well. So the fact that uh, Cooper Cup now has 17 more targets on the season than Robert Woods, although a lot of that is inflate, inflated uh, because the last time we saw the Rams play, 
was when Jared Goff had four interceptions and he also targeted Cooper Cup 20 times against the Dolphins in week eight there. Cooper Cup in his last game, 11 catches for 110 yards. Obviously, we're not expecting 20 targets again. However, we are taking advantage of this matchup here. And this is where you look to attack the Seahawks. And this is and this is where we look to attack them every single week. We, we've played prop props against opposing receivers against the Seahawks and had success. You know, last week we hit it with Diggs. You mentioned it. that was my favorite prop. And that was my favorite prop, not because of Diggs' talent. And a part of that was. But it was also because the matchup was was there and it was right for the taking. So Cooper Cup has been dealing with a wrist injury in practice. It looks like he's on track to play, and I wouldn't expect that to hinder him in this game here. But I agree with you as well. I think Robert Woods at 59.5 receiving yards, way too low. Josh Reynolds even 45.5. He's been serving as the deep threat in this option. And you even look at some like ancillary options like a Tyler Higby or even a Gerald Everett. I would look to see what their numbers are because I think Jared Goff absolutely torches the Seahawks secondary through the air this week. And if he's getting like 300 plus yards, just do the math and Woods 60 Reynolds, 45, even Higby and Everett 25 and 30, like those numbers don't add up. So who, who else is catching these passes and getting these yards? So if you look at the projected game script and the matchup and where everyone has these Rams players ranked in fantasy this week, because of the matchup, I would not hesitate to play overs on any of them. Obviously, uh, Cup and Woods will be first on my pecking order. Uh, but I'm going to be looking towards Goff passing yards, and I'm going to be looking to Reynolds and even the Rams tight ends in this matchup. Yeah, Goff, his his passing yards for this game were 292 and a half. This was uh, one of the handicaps that I actually like probably the most of the entire weekend. I'm going to go ahead and play Goff over 292 and a half passing yards. You know, if you look at the Seahawks defense, I mean, brutal, brutal is probably a fair word. I mean, they give up 360 yards passing on average, and that's just average. I mean, you could go through and you could look at the at the Seahawks games. I mean, I think they may have had three quarterbacks that passed for 400 yards, and I think Cam Newton was like right on the verge. I think Cam had, I want to say, 397 or something like that. But somebody threw for like 450 against them. I'm just like, dude, these guys are just bad. And the more that we watch them, it's like they're not getting any pressure. And I understand Dunlap came in. It's like, all right, well, that's cool. You know, I get it. Like maybe he's going to help you out in here or there against maybe like a mediocre offensive line, a mediocre quarterback with, you know, probably like, you know, below average guys. But this Rams team, this isn't a below average offense. It's going to be the real deal. So I'll go ahead. I'll play golf over 292 and a half. I felt pretty good about that. I would say, Chris, that that's probably the squarest play we can make, and it turned out to be my second strongest prop bet on the entire card. I, I got to go with it. I, I don't know. What am I going to do? Am I going to just expect, you know, that the Seahawks are going to show up, you know, one game out of the year out of the nine games they've been torched? I think another thing that I found out in this game was that I believe Henderson was banged up. So I'm not sure exactly how healthy that Rams, you know, rushing attack is going to be, but do you even need it? And I think the clear cut answer, Chris, is, is no, no, you don't. So I'm going to go ahead and make that one official. I'll take, I'm going to take golf over to 292 and a half. Uh, I feel really, really good about that one. Yeah. Yeah. Sleepy. Uh, and and Daryl Henderson actually is going to play that. That was made known t- today for sure. He had been questionable all week with like a thigh injury that he'd been dealing with even through the bye bye week last week. So uh, I'm not looking toward, if anything, I would actually look to Henderson under rushing 
or any other running backs, but his his will be probably probably the softest prop to attack uh, because it'll be set the highest. And and teams actually have not been running the ball well against Seattle. They've actually been, Seattle's actually done a decent job defending the run. Uh, and when you mentioned Goff with the passing yards, like you mentioned the Seahawks at, at, uh, allowing an average of what, 350 plus, right? You wrote, you wrote it up even in your frauds and gods column on bettingpredators.com. So let's say, you know, 290, right? That's 70 yards lower, typically on average of what the Seahawks are allowing here. You're getting Goff at home in a good environment. And I expect Russell Wilson to still have success throwing the ball to put pressure on the Rams to score and put up points themselves. So with Having all that said, look at all, all the receiving props for the Rams. They just do not add up correctly because we don't have Cup on the board. Let's assume Cup – let's just like be a little bit over. Let's say Cup is set at 70. Woods is at 60. Then you add Reynolds. You add Higby. Maybe Everett's set at like 25, close to 30. That still doesn't add up to 290. So who else is catching passes in this offense again? So we've looked at these types of situations before with the Bengals wide receivers – with Green, Higgins, and Boyd getting most of the targets. And you got to look at it again this week, this week again in this type of matchup. Last week it was uh, John Brown, Gabriel Davis, Stephon Diggs. All three of those guys went over, and Beasley was the only guy who didn't. So you hit three out of four if you played all those. Uh, I, I would possibly be looking to play almost all these pass catchers over uh, with a strong lean towards Cup being the priority of playing cup over on receptions and over on receiving yards as well. All right. Good stuff on that game. Solid information. I think uh, throughout this entire podcast, we this has been one of our better podcasts. Chris, let's jump to our last game here. Uh, my best bet is going to actually be within this game. So we're going to have the saints here. They're going to be minus 10. Uh, there are a few rogue 10 and a halfs out there. Total looks like it's about 49, pretty much uh consensus. 49ers, man, I don't know, Chris. I think they're going to be in trouble in this game. You know, we saw what the Saints did last week, and I guess maybe there could be like a, you know, a letdown after that type of a win where it's like, all right, you know, maybe we go ahead and we, we look ahead uh, here against San Francisco. But I think one of the things that always will keep you honest about the San Francisco team is they could throw a lot of no-name players at you because their head coach is just that damn good. And I think that San Fran will always keep a team honest. So I expect – no, a really, really focused effort from the Saints here. One, no, they don't want to fall asleep behind the wheel. And then, the you know, that big win that they had last week, it was kind of like thrown out the window. It was like, you know, well, what did it mean when it comes to wins and losses at the end of the year? So I do expect the Saints to come in here and play this game, you know, pretty tough. I think I think they might actually go ahead and beat up here on San Francisco. San Francisco just looks like they're going to be shorthanded. I don't know if I trust their quarterback here on the road. So the first one I'm going to give you, this is not my best bet, but I'll give you guys this one. I think Latavius Murray's going to get a, a decent amount of usage in this one. I'm going to go ahead and play him to go ahead and score a touchdown in this one, plus 210. I'm also going to go ahead and I'm going to play Latavius Murray rushing yards. I'm going to play him over. I think if there's any chance that they could go ahead and probably get Kamara to not go ahead and have to get punished and run the ball a whole lot, why not just go ahead and use Latavius in this one? His rushing yards right now 36 and a half. I feel like there's a good chance that he could actually lead this team in rushing this particular game. So I'm going to go ahead and give you guys that one as my best bet, Latavius Murray, over 36.5 rushing yards. Chris, how are you feeling about 49ers Saints? Uh, Brandon Ayuk, over 4.5 receptions at FanDuel plus money. It's not often you see good prop bets at plus money. Usually the books are juicing these good bets up. 
I, uh, I don't know why exactly it's set at that. I don't, I don't know if they're afraid of the, the Marshawn Lattimore shadow coverage. They think that's going to you know, make him hit the under here. But uh, in the last two games now that Debo Samuel's missed and Ayuk's been thrust into that number one receiver role, and now we're seeing no, no George Kittle as well. Uh, eight catches against the Seahawks on 10 targets. Even against New England, he had six catches on seven targets. And let's not forget in the Seattle game, the, you know, the eight catches, 10 targets, 91 yards. Uh, uh, that was like mostly in the second half because Jimmy G was absolutely terrible in the first half of that game. So that was in, uh, you know, maybe in a quarter and a half of action, he got those numbers there. So, so he was on the COVID, the COVID list the last time we saw uh, the 49ers get manhandled by the Packers. So I think that the bias is maybe still there and the books haven't caught up yet. That's kind of what I'm noticing here is like with rookies, we talked about earlier with Judy and with guys who are like a bye week plus a COVID week or whatever, COVID slash bye week, what have you. Uh, you're seeing these books not adjust to what was happening before that happened. So uh, the, the fact we can get Brandon Ayuk as the number one receiver, a lot of garbage time point potential in this matchup as well. I've got Ayuk as a top 20 fantasy receiver. Uh, I do like the yardage as well over 62 and a half, but the fact you can get catches over four and a half, I think it should be set personally at at least five and a half. He can get it at four and a half at plus money. Def definitely like the over on receptions there. And I might make that a double dip prop with the over receptions and the yards. The only other place I could look, I do like the Murray call. I do like possibly Kamara and Murray combining their rushing yards together, as I mentioned earlier, with Green Bay and with Cleveland and plus matchups and potential blowout, uh, blowout spots. Uh, other than that, maybe McKinnon under rushing because the Saints rush defense has been pretty tough this year. Uh, I don't know how much San Francisco is going to be able to run the ball in this matchup, but uh Outside of those other things, uh, uh, they don't come close to how strongly I feel at this moment right now about Brandon Ayuk hitting those overs. I'm not going to go against Ayuk. You remember, Chris, I think we talked about it. Maybe it was a week or two ago. Maybe it was three weeks ago. I don't remember. I know he went up against Ramsey. He went up against the guys from the Dolphins. He went up against, I think, I don't know if he went up against Gilmore. I'd actually, I think maybe Gilmore played that game. I think Ayuk played that game. But it was listed at four and a half plus like 122. Yeah. And you and I talked about it on that podcast. So for those of you guys that are listening, I'm sure you probably remember. And I was like timid. I was like, I don't know. So it's like I felt like I was like like being talked out of it. And it wasn't you. It was the the line that was talking me out of it. And you were like, no, 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 no. And sure enough, I think he hit it before like halftime. Like he had like six catches or five catches. That was two. It, no, was it, was like, two it was two weeks ago when they played the Seahawks, and he got it all in the second half when Mullins took over for Jimmy G. You had the over on receptions. I had the over on yards, and they both hit easily, even literally just in like a quarter and a half half of Mullins playing quarterback for for the 49ers. All right, yeah, that's what I knew that I knew that you had something that hit, and it was it was early. I knew that. And then I, I noticed that the catches came in too. I mean, I don't think we have to. I don't think we really have to worry about that that particular play in this game. I mean, I think you and I probably both assume that they're going to play from behind here. And I know Kendrick Bourne's probably going to end up being back in the lineup, but Ayuk is clearly. I think he's the number one, even over Debo when Debo's on the field right now. I just think that the, he just has that much playing time. Uh, he has that much continuity with guys. So uh, I, I wouldn't. I, there's no way I would go ahead and, and try to fade that play. I'll, I'll take the plus money four and a half as well. Uh, I don't have anything else here, Chris, uh, pretty much. Uh, one of the things you and I were talking about doing, and I'm not sure if we're even going to be able to chance to get and do this. One of the things you guys definitely will be able to do is listen to us on Sunday. We do a live feed. You guys can go ahead and get that. 
generally I wake up uh, around like 11 or 12 on Sunday. And usually I'm either waking up Chris or he's waking me up. One of us are texting each other or sometimes we're both late to the party. But we'll do a live feed. We'll go through and we'll be like, okay, these are the guys we're, we're, we're going to definitely play. So you guys can go ahead and get that. And do you guys just let us know. And, and I'll let you guys decide. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll know the answer. But what Chris and I were thinking about doing was we were going to go through and, and I was going to set up a DraftKings lineup. He was going to set up a DraftKings lineup. And we were kind of going to do it like draft style where he's like, you know what? Here's the quarterback I'm going to take. Here's the reasons why I like him, da 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 And I'm like, all right, Chris. Here's the quarterback I'm going to take. Here's the reasons why. And then we're going to go through, set the lineups. And then what Chris will do is he'll take the lineups. He'll screenshot them. He'll post them up on on the betting predators. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit of props in there, but we really just want to focus on DFS because we know one of the things that, that you guys like is, you know, going ahead, setting fantasy lineups and talking fantasy football, uh, you know, throughout the week with us all the time and asking this and, and talking to Chris about that. So we figured maybe we would go ahead and incorporate that. So, I'm going to leave it out of my hands. I'll leave it out of Chris's hands. I'll leave it into the listener's hands. If you guys would like something like that, Chris and I will go ahead. We'll try to find the time. It might only be like a 15 or a 20 minute quick pod, but if that's something you guys would enjoy probably listening to and maybe finding some benefit out of, let us know at sleepyj underscore pregame or at mad journalist on Twitter. Sleepy, I, Chris, I think you might have to put up a poll. I think that might have to come down to the Twitter poll on that one. So. Might have to put that out. Do people want the DFS episode? We, we put it out on Saturday, as you said. And just people don't know already, we're putting out fantasy rankings every week, uh, rest of season rankings to help you with trades, bench stashes, et cetera, waiver wire rankings. And I do plan on d- doing a lot more DFS content uh, content for the website once the fantasy, like regular season, like playoffs ends in week 16. So uh, that's something we're going to get a lot more into next year as well as we continue to grow things on bettingpredators.com. So make sure you're subscribed to the site. Go to the bottom of any article. Put in your email address. You'll get an email update every single time we drop a new article. We've got a lot of other stuff besides fantasy. Sleepy, you're doing look ahead lines. You're doing your frauds and gods column. We've got stuff from Smooth, McKenzie. Um, you know, we got all of our podcast links on there as well. So a lot more content coming out each and every week. And I uh, yeah, man, I, I'm excited to see what people might think about doing a DFS. I think that'd be fun, and that might help me and you uh, might help me and you win some extra money uh, on Sundays as well. So I wouldn't be opposed to that. And I think one of the issues we were having when we first started our podcast, Chris, was you know we had a lot of content that we wanted to squeeze in, and it does take us some time to go ahead and figure out you know normal everyday life. You know when we have the time to handicap the podcast, do the podcast. You know I have the time to go ahead and edit it, and it was like. It seems like you and I and Uncle Dave and everybody, we kind of got a little bit of a routine. So, you know, you and I, we we think that we're going to have at least a little bit of time to go ahead and do that. So uh, maybe we'll go ahead. We'll put the poll up, as uh, Chris said. But if you guys, you know, you just start chirping at us on Twitter. If you don't see the poll, let us know if that's something that you guys would like. Uh, but with that said, that's it for the podcast, guys. Hopefully you guys got quite a bit out of this one. We went a little bit long, but that's what happens when Chris and I are ripping and running, talking props and DFS. It's going to happen. Uh, if you guys haven't heard the Sunday podcast for the NFL, make sure you guys go ahead and do that. Uh, again, college basketball stuff, we'll be going to get in that ripping and running soon. All kinds of articles on bettingpredators.com. We always appreciate you guys' support, and especially you guys, you know, from the retweet army, retweet our podcast uh, each and every week. We certainly appreciate you guys and going ahead and chiming in and being a part of our podcast, giving out free picks. Uh, that's always cool, and that's always fun. Uh, with that said, I'm Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, sleepyj underscore pregame. That's the mad journalist, Chris Dell. You guys can get him on Twitter at Matt Journalist. That is M-A-D-D Journalist. And you can find us both 
on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the games.